Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose so you breathe just through your mouth? This show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. And hello! Uh, we might be a little more high energy than usual this week because Annabelle is, is currently in a state of elation, having just minutes ago won an eBay auction. Oh yeah, so exciting, thrilling. This is great because last, last night you were, you were telling me that you were doing some bidding but you came up against Russian bots, the ones that swung Brexit in the election, right? Exactly that, yes. Yeah. But this morning you've had a triumph. I won. How long do you think the elation will last for? A few more seconds probably, yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about something very loosely on the same subject. In as much as it's something I bought in a fit of excitement on a whim. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of people drunk eBay shop. Oh, yes, yeah. And then wake up the next day and think, what have I done? Yeah. Now, I I can't do this because I can't drink anymore. I stopped drinking a long time ago. So, my equivalent is when I'm in on my own with the baby of an evening, baby goes to bed and I just have all these hours to fill. And I will often fall down Google holes, which sometimes lead to purchases. Okay, right. And a couple of weeks ago, I was doing this. I saw that the Muppets were playing a live concert. And I've been a fan of the Muppets since being a very small boy. All my exercise books from school are full of terrible drawings of Kermit and Fozzie. And on a whim, I just bought tickets because I'd never heard of this before. I just bought tickets to see the Muppets perform with an orchestra. Now, the tickets were for the venue, the Hollywood Bowl. Is that Milton Keynes? Please say it's in Milton Keynes. No, it's not. We all know it's not. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in Hollywood. It's in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I found myself with these not cheap tickets to see the Muppets uh, in America when I woke up the next morning. Right, yeah. And then I thought, I'm, I'm going to figure out some way to make this happen. Mm. I mean, there's a few things going on here. Firstly, financial. Yeah. But I genuinely have a piggy bank full of two pound coins so i I raided that right that went some way towards helping wow Uh, the second issue was that i had to broach the subject with my wife Mm. because i didn't see this as a couple's trip right yeah okay um and she was uh, surprisingly gracious almost in such a way that you think okay she's saving this yeah. as ammunition for something in the future Clever. so anyway i'm going to try and keep this as short as i can because i don't want it to get too rambly but last weekend i went to see the muppets at the hollywood bowl i, I ended up going to america for three days which was silly and um 
you know, I, I managed it with a combination of double espresso and antihistamine pills, which I don't recommend. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and it, they, they were just fantastic. If it's everything I wanted it to be, and oh my god, I want to touch that fuzzy bear puppet. Oh. I want to touch it. Just you know, cuddle him. Yeah, just, you didn't, did you? No, oh, unfortunately, good. we weren't that close to the stage. <laughs> However, the the way the Hollywood Bowl is laid out is they have small compartments. This is difficult to imagine because I've not seen anything like this before. But it's a venue where traditionally people will take a picnic before the show and have their dinner and then watch the show. Oh, okay. So my friend who lives over there, who I invited, um, and I, we, we were in a small compartment. What I'd like you to imagine is a, a wooden sheep pen. Okay. But the size of, say, two fridges. Okay. So it's got two fold-down tables. Yeah. Um, with a, a chair either side. Somebody's back is to the stage and somebody's facing the stage. Okay. And because it's four seats in total, we were sharing it with two other people. Okay. They are ballpark mid-50s, early 60s. Right. And we sort of say hello and it's awkward because we're in close proximity and it's not fun to have to share your space with anyone really, let alone strangers. <laughs> so anyways, we, we share this pen with them there's an interval halfway through the show i go and take a toilet break i come back this couple have got out all their food okay and are having a picnic part deux i guess maybe that part un before the show <laughs> right the lady offers me some of her food okay it's in a tupperware box yeah chocolate fondue oh that's that's a weird thing to bring in to share and to offer well do you not think like Liquid chocolate is a very strange thing to take take to a concert. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I was quite baffled by this because what they didn't have with them was any kind of stove. Oh, so it was cold? No, it was warm. Oh, okay. Do you want to know how it was kept warm? Yeah. They'd brought a duvet with them <gasps> and wrapped it up in a duvet. <laughs> well, no, not a full-size duvet. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was on the floor. No. Yeah. That's bizarre, right? Have they not heard of Thermos Floss? Well, evidently not. No. The other strange thing that they did is they, they brought with them Muppet toys. Okay. So they had a Fozzy, a Beaker and a Gonzo. Yeah. And when the appropriate characters were on the stage, they would hold up their toys and dance them around in time with the songs. Now, no judgment. I mean, I'm a man in his 40s who's just travelled halfway across the globe to watch the Muppets at Hollywood Bowl. Well, I'll but... judge then. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to judge. That's unusual. It's the person that sometimes get in touch with you, but then you don't talk to them very often because you're just, like, busy. And it's not that you don't like them. It's just that you don't like them that much. So you just kind of lose touch and uh, go... Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. If you've joined in with the podcast so far by sharing a story with us, thank you. We have had some fantastic stuff and um, we're really grateful to you for sending stuff in. If you haven't, um, give us your story. I'll give you some topics in a few minutes' time. But the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. So this is from Carl. I just left home in the car when I noticed that the car behind was a police car. As you do, I automatically became self-conscious and paranoid about my speed and driving. And after a few miles, was getting fed up driving with one eye in the mirror and the other on the speedo. Eventually, I'd had enough and decided rather than staying on the main road, I would turn off and take a different route. 
The police car continued the same route behind me. Now I believe they were deliberately tailing me. My God, what had I done? I started racking my brain over the past few weeks, trying to figure out how I had transformed into this wanted criminal mastermind. Nope, nothing. I took another turn. They continue behind. Blimey, it is me thereafter. At this point, even my wife, who is sitting alongside me, is starting to get a bit concerned. Up ahead, I see the turning for a country pub we used to go to. That will do, I thought. I'll pull in there, let them pass and get back on my journey. I turn left down this narrow lane and look in my mirror. Yep, you guessed it. There it was behind me. Now what do I do? This lane is a dead end that only leads to the pub, which normally wouldn't be a bad thing. But today we need to be elsewhere. We get to the car park at the end of the lane. Now what? Awkwardly, we get out of the car and head towards the pub, making out we're looking for someone. (laughs) A voice behind me says, I bet you thought we were following you. Casually, we just try and laugh it off or trying to make out this was our route all along and not to look guilty. To be honest, I'm not sure we did a very good job of this. <laughs> we walk slowly towards the pub, letting the officers pass us and head into the bar. As soon as the door closed behind them, we rushed back to the car and headed on our way. No doubt leaving the officers to have a chuckle at our expense over lunch. Paranoid? Yes. Guilty? Only of being me. Oh, that police thing reminds me of something my wife does. If we're ever on holiday and because we don't have a car in London if we're ever on holiday and we have a rental car if she sees a police car she will turn the music down to an inaudible level because <laughs> she's got it in her head that she, the police are going to pull her over for listening to what is often show tunes right. at a moderate level right this is from Chris I was working in an office doing quite a dull job, surrounded by men and women a lot older than me. I was the office junior and token young person. Most of my colleagues were nice, apart from one woman in the next apartment. She was okay, but to my 18-year-old self, she was just so, so boring. Her name was Sheila, and whenever she had the chance, she used to corner me and talk to me about her daughters and her allotment and jam making and lots of things that I had no absolutely no interest in at all. And I'd always try to make excuses not to talk to her. One day, a new girl started temping in the next apartment, the same age as me and really attracted too. Apparently, she was working for the summer while she was home from university. Now, usually I'm a very timid and awkward man. But on this day, I saw her on her own at lunchtime in the canteen and decided to go over and sit next to her. I don't know what came over me. Maybe it's because the only person I'd had to talk to of my own age for almost a year. In my mind, as I walked over to her, I was James Bond, slowly walking up to his next conquest. But as I sat down, I realised I didn't have a clue what to say to her. What did I even know about her anyway? Then I thought of something. Oh, uh, you work in the office with Sheila, don't you? Is she the most boring woman in the planet or what? Oh, no. What she said back to me still haunts me over 25 years later. Oh, no. Actually, that's my mum. Yeah. She angrily got up. (laughs) And left as the canteen went silent around us. I think I sat there and didn't look up until I knew everyone else had left the canteen. I sat in my car for lunch the rest of that summer to avoid her. Oh, that's good. Poor Chris. Hiding. (laughs) I'm I'm writing that down. We'll make that one of the topics, I think. Yeah. Okay. And from James. I have a few of these, but the one that causes the worst pang of anxiety is something that happened when I was at primary school. I was around eight or nine at the time. My teacher was Mr. Walters. 
I was quite a, sh- a quiet lad at the time. And on this one particular occasion, the classroom was quite noisy. I and some other pupils had crowded round Mr. Walters to ask him questions about whatever pa- papier-mâché creations we were making. When it came to my turn, being so quiet, Mr. Walters couldn't hear me. So doing what adults do when they can't hear a child, he moved his head down to be closer to me. Unfortunately, this is a very similar manoeuvre to the one older relatives make when they ask for a peck on the cheek from their little nephew or grandson. (laughs) So totally instinctively, I gave him a kiss on the cheek. At which point, he immediately stood straight up and bellowed in his broad Welsh accent, No, I don't want to kiss you! (laughs) I don't remember what happened after. Maybe the floor actually opened up and swallowed me like I wanted it to. Sadly, I've not repressed the entire scene from memory and it still causes me great pangs of anxiety (laughs) at random points throughout my life with no warning and no discernible pattern as to when it will raise its ugly head and bellow just like Mr Walters did. Oh, that's exactly what we're after when we talk about being crippled by pangs of anxiety from tiny things that you did or said decades ago even. So that's one of the topics. Uh, Pretending to know what you're doing is always good. Shyness is nice. Um, Oh, Anything on the subject of hiding, because I really enjoyed Mm, that story there um, of not being able to look up until the room was empty. (laughs) It does remind me of, I once did a mobile disco wedding reception where nobody danced all evening mm. except to REMs losing my religion. That's very strange. It was so weird. I would try every genre of music and then eventually, I mean, it's not like losing my religion is necessarily something you would play at a wedding reception. No. But it, it filled the floor. I then played something similar, emptied the floor. Wow. Nobody came back to the dance floor all, all evening. And, and I was so ashamed at the end of the night that I squatted down behind the DJ decks Not only did I stay there until all the guests had finally gone, which was slow and did dribs and drabs, but I listened for the sound of stacking chairs. (laughs) I just could not show my face. So anything on having to hide would be good. Um, Oh, does this make me a bad person? Yeah. That's a good topic. If you've got anything for us on that, Um, you know, your your thoughts where you're thinking, oh God, I can't say this out loud. People will think I'm a terrible person for thinking this. Tell us and I I bet you will will turn out that you're not. and just generally anything on the subject of social ineptitude and faux pas you have made, email us, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. If you know Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, you may also know that they're sick. Sick in a medium way. Very neutral. Neutral sick. Adrift. So, Annabelle, things are good for you at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you you having a baby in a few weeks? Mm-hmm. You recently won an eBay auction. I did, in yeah. The very recent past. Yeah. So I feel comfortable asking you to tell a story about when things perhaps weren't so happy. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the summer after my divorce, which I'd say was maybe not peak happiness. That was probably when, age seven, my mum bought me a black, skin-tight, shiny Lycra cat suit, which was similar enough to make me feel like Sandy in Greece in that scene at the end when she goes slutty and starts smoking to win her guy back, which was obviously a really great lesson for a seven-year-old girl to learn. Of course, yeah. I love that cat suit, though. Anyway, things weren't great. And one of the not so great things about being single is it's sometimes hard to find someone to go on summer holiday with. Like I've got a few friends, like maybe three or four, but, you know, none of them were around. 
And I would normally go on my own, but I was a bit worried about all that time with my own thoughts <laughs> a bit much. So I was facing this long summer at home. And I think my parents felt a bit sorry for me as they rang me and said, oh, um, we're thinking of going away for a few days. Would you like to come with us? And I said yes so quickly and urgently. It probably scared them. <laughs> and then for the next few seconds, my brain is imagining sun loungers and sun and rosé wine and buffet breakfasts and picnic lunches on the beach and dinners under twinkly fairy lights and <gasps> hotel balcony with a sea view. Perhaps a tour to some kind of ruins one morning to feel a bit more cultural, reading loads of books. And my fantasy about an infinity pool is interrupted by my dad saying, oh, good, we're going to Auschwitz. <laughs> I just got divorced and my parents want to take me on a summer holiday to a death camp. The location trying to give you perspective. I don't know. The location of the largest mass murder in history at a single site. That's where they wanted to take me on my summer holiday. How am I supposed to take a photo of my tan legs by the sea, do the hot dog leg thing? How am I supposed to do that under the wrought iron Arbeit Macht Fry sign? I didn't. Don't worry. I'd be glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we went for five days. Although I should say we didn't spend the entire time at Auschwitz. My parents aren't sadists. We were in Krakow, which was lovely. And I had a lovely time, although I suppose lovely isn't the right word for the day at Auschwitz. So whatever the right word is for that, it was that. And then luckily I started going steady with my boyfriend, Tom, not long after. So there were no offers from my parents of exotic Christmas trips to the killing fields in Cambodia or anything like (laughs) that. There was an incident at Christmas, though. So I get an envelope through the post just before Christmas Mm. and it's clear from the envelope that it's a Christmas card. And as it turns out, it was a card from one of my dad's friends that's been passed on to my dad and he decided to post it to me. So the address is clearly in my dad's handwriting and the name above is in different handwriting, that of his friend. Now, the name clearly reads Annabelle and then there's an and. And then there is a name that has been heavily scribbled out, but it's still clearly readable as Jonathan, which is the name of my ex-husband. So my dad has scribbled over his name and then also tried to disguise it by sticking the stamp over it, but it only covers the middle. And then he's written underneath, Tom, my now boyfriend's name, and he thinks this is okay. But perhaps the very worst thing of all, he hasn't then opened the Christmas card and, and tried to doctor the inside of his friend's card, who either hasn't got the memo about the divorce or has just forgotten. He's just left that. So when you open it, it says, oh, dear Annabelle and Jonathan, happy Christmas, wishing you all the best in the year ahead. Why didn't he just put it in the bin? Which is obviously what I had to do because I didn't put it up. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to that becoming an annual event. <laughs> Computer sounds are awesome. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift. You have a couple of contributions dating back to previous podcasts. Yes, Tony says, after listening to season one, episode three, <laughs> I had to take issue with Jeff's willy-nilly approach to star ratings. When discussing his Uber usage, he was disappointed to only have a 4.67 stars. However, when a listener awarded Annabelle 8 out of 10 on her Polish pronunciation, he said this was great, despite, of course, this equating to a fairly desultory four stars out of five. So, Jeff, which is it? I and my fellow drifters need and demand consistency in your rating system. Okay, I was patronising Annabelle. 
<laughs> That's the honest answer. Okay. Um, and this, oh, this is about paper rounds. When I was talking about doing a paper round mm. for those many, many, many years. the age years. of 25 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. This is from Daniel. He says, so you mentioned, Annabelle, that you were a paper girl for Tarpots News. Is that the Tarpots News in Bentley, Essex? If so, I'm wondering if at any point in the early 90s, we were rival paper delivery people. Oh, wow. I grew up in Bentley and used to deliver papers for Lacey's news agents who were based down Kent's Hill Road. Needless to say, I hated it and quit after a year or so of getting my fingers snapped at unnecessarily by aggressive letterboxes. Amateur. <laughs> Amateur! <laughs> we were rival paper people at the same time because I would have done it up until 1993. So did you have a, a sense of... Um... Uh, uh, Lacey News being the the enemy, the rival. Um, shall I pretend I did? <laughs> no, no, no. Once again, if you want to comment on any matters arising from previous episodes of the podcast, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And by the way, um, here's the bit which makes everybody uncomfortable. We have a Patreon page. If you want to bung a few quid our way, um, we, we'd be extremely grateful, as we are to everyone who's done it so far. A little bit overwhelmed, so nice. By the way, yeah. uh, although I don't want to give the impression that we're so overwhelmed, <laughs> we are now billionaires. No, we're just easily overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is it. Um, so, if you go to Patreon.com, stroke adrift, uh, we have a s- selection of rewards. If you want to, like, give us a it's all in US dollars, but a dollar a month, then we will give you a title. If you want to be nobility, we'll make you a countess or an earl or a duchess or a viscount or whatever. And then the rewards go up to, uh, you, we're going to do some episodes of deleted bits. We're going to do some secret episodes that only Patreon subscribers uh, above a certain level will have access to. We're going to do video um, podcasts and, and, and podications. We'll send you birthday cards. We'll um, life coach you if you go above a certain amount. So we're, we're really grateful to everybody who's done this. And if you enjoy the podcast, um, oh my God, deep breath in, mm. then yeah, show show your appreciation. I can't do it. Oh, come too, on. I, I, I hate asking people for money. But um, yeah, show your appreciation. But we don't judge you if you don't, though. Oh, no. Right. Um but does that suggest that we don't value the people who do? Mm. Will they withdraw their contributions? No, please don't. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com stroke adrift. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. A few weeks ago, I receive a WhatsApp message from my friend Soraya. I don't enjoy being forced onto WhatsApp. Oh, I love WhatsApp. Firstly, I don't like the name. I think it's babyish. Yeah, I agree with that. It's terrible. And and secondly, it, 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 you're you're forced um, to show whether you've read a message or not. Okay, there is that. Yeah, which I, I don't enjoy. I like biding my time. <laughs> okay, you know, keeping people guessing. <laughs> anyway, I receive this WhatsApp message from my friend Soraya. She says, "I'm going to New York for twenty days." Do you have any recommendations? Okay. Now, you may be listening to this thinking, why is she asking him for recommendations? Um, The reason is, as you may have heard last week on the podcast, my wife is American. Um, We met in New York. And when we were courting, I would spend a lot of time there. Mm. So I have in my drafts, in my email, a, a fairly lengthy email of New York recommendations for when people go. 
Oh, so you can just trot them out, trot yeah. out the email once it's needed. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a little out of date. So I always text a couple of friends over there and say, uh, have you got any recommendations of the latest things and tag them on as well, Okay, which is what I do. I send this message to Soraya. I'm quite envious because I think 20 days plus is, is a long time. Mm to be over there and I really love New York so I, I have to I have to squash my envy and very graciously send this email so um, last night was her last night in New York she is one of these people who posts on Instagram incessantly okay there is not an aspect of what she's done in New York that has gone undocumented in either photograph or video form right do you, do you know the things at the top of Instagram where oh, it's yeah, little compilations of people's days in mm. tiny clips? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many of those things. It's um, it's like watching Lawrence of Arabia or something. <laughs> you, you know, you have to settle in. You have to get popcorn. <laughs> but you know, everything has been documented. Every every tourist site, um, every meal. Of course, she's really getting that camera up in people's faces. You know, if it's an open kitchen, she's getting it right in there and on the chef in what I think is an invasive way. Right. Every busker. She went to a comedy club and put up bits of every comedian she saw there, oh, wow. which I'm not sure is that ethical. Mm. If it's YouTube, it's definitely not. If it's these things, these Instagram stories which vanish, maybe so. Any, anyway, and and I know what you're expecting me to say, which is, isn't it showy-offy when people do this? And I think, yes, it is, but isn't that what we've done on holiday always? Isn't that what postcards are, really? Mm-hmm. Is that why you're sending postcards to show off that you're on holiday? Yeah, okay. And you're writing, wish you were here, but what you're really writing is, I'm glad I'm here and I'm gloating about it. And I bet you wish you were yeah, here. Exactly, exactly yeah, exactly, exactly that. So I don't judge that stuff too harshly. Okay. But here's my point. I've, I've watched every second fairly much of her trip to New York on social media. Oh. Not one of my recommendations. No. Not a single one. Three weeks. No. Three weeks. So she got the email and just ignored it, thought, I know better. I I think it's worse than that. I think she got the email and thought, okay, I'm going to avoid every (laughs) single one of these places out of some kind of malice. Oh, no. So my question is, how do I make peace with this terrible slight? Oh, That's the subject of this week's The Incident. The first thing I did was seek out advice from somebody who could empathise. This is travel journalist Gabriella Le Breton. It is definitely something that happens to me. And fortunately, not all my friends are quite so rigorous in in broadcasting what they've been up to. So I think... I've kind of given up on trying to track whether they do take up my tips or not. But they must come um, to you constantly with, uh, with with questions and asking for recommendations. They do, relentlessly. And it's people who you haven't heard of since you were you know, at school with them like 20 years ago. And they come up and they're like, oh, what do you think I should do? And you invest all this time in thinking what they might like to do and and checking stuff and providing websites. And then you kind of never hear from them again. And you just think, oh they have an awful time because you know, that's that's my greatest fear as a as a recommender that you recommend somewhere that you loved and someone else goes and what well, the chef has a bad night or or the hotel's under new management or they have terrible weather and they hate it 
you kind of live with that guilt. Yes. As, as ruining that, someone's as, holiday. Which I suppose <laughs> if people are constantly bugging you for recommendations, that's one way of getting people to stop is by giving them terrible, terrible advice. There is that. And I have I must sometimes places I really, really like, I don't always recommend because you want to keep it a little bit secret for yourself as well. You want to you want to that place has taken a special place in your heart through yes. your own experience. And you kind of think, Oh, do I want them to go and do I want them to come back and go, Oh, we had you know, he proposed here in your favourite place and you'd be like, Oh, damn. That was, you know, <laughs> do you ever do that sorry. as a journalist though? Um, sometimes I try and keep some little secrets. Um, I once got trolled really badly for a feature I wrote about a ski resort that I loved that wasn't very famous and this woman hounded me relentlessly for exposing her secret. Um, <laughs> so that kind of put me off. <laughs> right. Do you, um, so do you, do you think I should have it out with my friend, say that I'm, I'm pretty certain that you didn't follow any of my recommendations? I guess you could be slightly less confrontational and just to say, so how was you know, uh, such and such a restaurant that I tipped you off on? You know, just see see how that goes. Do you, so she was there for 20 days. Yeah, that, I, mean, a long time. It's too, I mean, there's no excuse, really. <laughs> this is my friend Nick Duncalf. He's a film reviewer. I wanted to find out how he deals with having his recommendations rejected. How do you deal with it, you mean? <laughs> I know. How, I'm, how I'm, do you deal with it? I'm dealing with it badly. So, well, yeah, I mean, when I, like, when I review films... The interesting thing about reviewing films is that what people do is uh, tell you about why you're wrong. So you, you very, very rarely get people coming up to you and going, um, I, uh, I watched your review or I heard you talking about uh, such and such a film and uh, you were right, it was great. Or what would be even, I mean, say, for example, they said to you, hey, I hadn't seen Star Wars. I saw your review of the new Star Wars film. I thought it was terrific. That'd be okay. That, that, I'd take that. That'd be good. That never happens. What you really want in an ideal world is, I went to see this film that I would never have seen if it hadn't been for you recommending it. Right, yes. That's what you want. That's the affirmation that you're after. Yes. Never happened. Absolutely never happens. What's also slightly painful is that sometimes there's a tiny bit of you inside that knows that they're right. And so what I find myself doing this is quite an adrifter kind of thing to say because I listen to your podcast and I've started to find myself thinking, oh, well, this is just like just podcast all the time, which is that I know that if you're a, if to be a proper real film reviewer or film critic, you should be like completely able to defend your opinions about everything. And you're because what you're really doing in the old fashioned way of doing it anyway, before everybody started doing reviews everywhere, is that you're basically standing on a pedestal and saying, I know better than you, and you should listen to me. And this is why I'm telling you this is good. Whereas if someone like, if I've met someone this summer, for example, and they say, Oh, I went to see Don Kirk the other day, then I find myself thinking, I wonder whether, I wonder whether they liked it or not. Because I need them to feel yes. the same way, yes. which so, I shouldn't. It makes me not a proper critic. <laughs> so, so what I try to do is never express an opinion until I'm sure the general the opinion of the other person. Until you've got a good idea what they're going to say. And then you can go, yeah, yeah, I thought that too. So specifically with film critics then, something I've always wondered is, do, do you ever talk to other critics? Film critics to no, try. No. So is that 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 well, is? But is is that taboo? So after the screenings you go to, 
No, I think some. I think some of them do. I think some of them do. But what's curious about it is that there's a room full of individuals who are forming their own individual opinions, but who don't necessarily want to divulge those ind- individual opinions to the other people in that room because it's sort of important that they have their own opinion. But at the same time, you sort of desperately want to know what the cons- – well, I do anyway because I'm a pathetic individual – is I sort of want to know what the consensus is going to be because it's <laughs> slightly – there's a part of you that wants to stand alone. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes there'll be a film that everybody thinks is terrible, and I love it, but there are other occasions where you sit there thinking, oh, I don't really like this, but I really think everyone else is going to love this, and it's not going to make me look like an idiot. And you sort of live in fear of that. If I'm going to have it out with my friend Soraya about what's happened, I need to be more confrontational. I sought advice from Ian Lee. He hosts the Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio, and he can sometimes be quite argumentative. Are you are you saying that this is um this was a deliberate snub against all of the places you listed that she should go and check out? Yes, would would you not feel wow. the same? Would you not? Yeah, feel the same? yeah, I would. No, I would. I would. I would take that as um uh, a, a personal. She definitely. She definitely received the list. Yes, she's th- thanked me for it. Oh mate. Oh, she thanked you for it. Oh, she's um she's having a laugh. Then she is um that is that that's rude. That's not only rude. That's a that's a snub. Um, and you've got to deal with this, Well, this, this is why I contacted you, because I think we're quite similar people in a lot of ways, but I think the big difference is you find it easier to be confrontational <laughs> than I do. And I base... you! <laughs> oh, I see, I see what you mean, yes. I, get it. I, I yeah. base this on the fact that where I, I, I will sometimes hear you be quite argumentative with callers, um, yeah. whereas I think I would be too timid to do that. Can, how, how do you find that within yourself? Okay, there are two things. When I'm doing it on the radio, mm. or when I've, you know, we used to do those silly videos on TV and stuff. It's easy because it's it's theatre, darling. You know, it's a show. So doing it on the radio, telling someone I think that they're boring or they're the point they've made is stupid on the radio is um, it's just theatre. You know, it's 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 an exaggerated version of me and it's something I learned really early on when I used to do the stuff on the eleven o'clock show, going out on the street and getting people to eat meat and then saying it was infused with the DNA of Princess Diana and stuff like that. I hated it. I hated it, Jeff. And I look back on those things now, I think, Christ, how did I, how could I do that? And partly it was because I was young and dumb. Yeah. But inside I was dying doing it. But I knew that the end result would be a fairly amusing two and a half minute video. And the same thing with the radio is, um, I know that it's theatre and that, 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 that people will kind of enjoy the act of a man saying stuff that perhaps socially we don't always say. After the show, though, I'll speak to Kath, my producer, and go, I think I was too hard with that person. Do you, maybe I should phone them up and apologise. I'm so I'm, I'm <laughs> But here's, here's something. After years of, of being in therapy, right? Yes. And this is, you this and is me the both. Thing, Oh, God. And uh, I once saw this brilliant American therapist who I saw for ages but cost a fortune. But the one thing I took away from him was, and I use this in real life, and it's really tricky, and I'm going to do a quote, uh, which is like one of those um, those uh, positive um, affirmations you get on Twitter that everyone hates. Right, but so this- we, could, we, could put, we could superimpose this over a yeah. tasteful black and white photo of you, and it could become a meme. I would prefer you used um, the silhouette of the back of a Native American looking nice. out. Nice. 
over what his former land used to be, right? Nice, and it's yeah. from it's from a, from a woman called Brené Brown, yeah. and the the quote is: "Choose discomfort over resentment." And for years and years and years, I would get eaten up by resentment, thinking, "God, this um, this person said something uh, to me once, or said something about me online," and and I would allow it to eat me up and eat me up. And for years, I would just be fuming about this person. And what this choose discomfort over resentment does. And it works because I've done it. Is you have it, it encourages me to go and speak to that person and have that awkward conversation of saying, "Look, um, I'm just going to say that uh, I feel that the way you behaved in that situation, it's left me feeling very uncomfortable. And I, that was your choice to do it, but I would rather, you know, I felt that it was a personal affront against me. And that's a really awkward conversation. And if you're lucky, that conversation will last ten minutes. So I've had one where it lasted for two whole hours where the, mm. the, the guy said, let's go in a room and discuss this, Jesus. Mm. But um, but it, 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 it's really uncomfortable. And then afterwards, the resentment, I, I, I think nearly every time I've done it, every time I've done it, the resentment is gone. The anger um, or that kind of bitterness has gone. And quite more often than not, the person goes, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know you felt like that. I'm really sorry. Um, this is why I did it. And um, I'll bear in mind what you said. And every now and then the person will say, well, that's tough. Fuck you. Uh, but I've said my bit. I've, my, my side of the street is clean. Right. Well, that's, so, Jeff, th- th- so choose, that, choose, choose discomfort choose over resentment. Discomfort over resentment. That is fantastic advice. And, and I can feel now that what I'm definitely going to do is I'm all fired up. I'm going to go away, <laughs> think about it, and then not do it. So that was wonderful, um, at least for this, this moment of empowerment. Thank you so much, Glad, Ian. Glad to be of service, Jeff. I know what it's like to, to, um, to be a nervous man who doesn't like um, saying what I want. So I'm with you, brother. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Please, please, please get in line and stand by the wall. I'm not going to shoot you. This is a show called Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle, you've made fun of me a lot in the past for having a paper delivered. I have, yes. Why? Because of the internet. (laughs) So I do accept it's 2017. And my reason for having a daily paper for a long time was because I like doing the, the crossword, the quick crossword, not the one for clever people. Okay. But since the baby's been born, I've fallen behind with it. So I've cancelled the newspaper. You probably cancelled it. Monday to Friday. Because oh. <laughs> I think it's really nice to get the weekend newspapers with all the magazines yeah. and supplements in them. But you can still get all the stuff that's in the magazines on the internet. But it's nice that you pay for it. I mean, and, and, yeah. well, it's in an order as I well know. in a magazine. I know. You're I know. not going to see every. You're just picking and choosing on the internet. Mm. You can miss something wonderful. <laughs> you could. You, you could miss a good recipe. Yeah, maybe. That I'll never make. <laughs> yeah. But I like looking at the photo of it. Anyway, so the paper's delivered on Saturday morning. It's The Guardian, predictably. And I opened the guide 
which is the week's uh, entertainment. So it's TV programs, it's gigs, it's uh, club nights and, and so on. So I'm leafing through and I come across the radio review column which is by David Hepworth, who I love. He's a great journalist. He was um, one of the people who set up the Word magazine, which is much missed. It was such a fantastic magazine. They still do um, sporadic podcasts, which I recommend highly. Um, And he's also had a couple of books out over the past two years. One was called 1971, Never a Dull Moment, Rock's Golden Year, where he makes the argument that rock and roll peaked in 1971. Um, He makes a good argument. don't necessarily agree with it. I think it possibly to do with when he was born Mm. but it's a really good read and um, he brought another one out this year which is equally good called uncommon people the rise and fall of the rock star so anyway he writes the radio review column in the guardian guide of a weekend and this podcast is mentioned it's mentioned alongside um a, a podcast that i really enjoy which is fortunately with fee glover and jane garvey have you listened to that yet? No, I haven't, no. It's, it's really, I mean, I just think they're great broadcasters and yeah. I think they're, they're doing a really good job of being podcasters as well. Although there is a slight awkwardness. What do you mean? So Jane was on our old radio show quite a few yeah, times yeah. and I just adore her. I yeah. think she's great. So when we started this podcast and I'm trying to dip my toes in the waters of self-promotion, which doesn't come very easily to me because I really hate banging on about myself, but we've, you know, we've got to keep this thing afloat. Mm. Um, I sent her a direct message saying, hey, Jane, at the risk of humiliating myself, would you and Fee have any interest in having me on um, Fortunately, which is their podcast, to plug our podcast? Right. She hasn't replied. Oh, even though you said that the risk of humiliating myself. Yes. So just to let you humiliate yourself. Yeah, yeah. How long ago did you send it? Uh, uh, let me look. My direct message is 6th of September. Oh, so, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So anyway... I have, have have humiliated myself. Yeah, yeah. Lesson um, learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This self promotion—it's making me want yeah. to die. Oh. Um, on the subject of reviews, we would be really grateful if you could just take the time to write a short review on um, iTunes, because the thing that's going to really help us, as I said before, is being visible on the iTunes chart. The way to do that isn't to keep increasing your downloads, it's to get lots of ratings and reviews. So if you haven't done that already and you are an iTunes user, please, um, if you could just take a few seconds to give us um, a five-star review, uh, a good review, glowing, Mm. um, using lots of superlatives, Mm. then uh, we we would be really grateful, especially if you're not one of the people who contributes on Patreon. This is the way that you can pull your weight. Yes, please. (laughs) You will be reminded of this show and this feeling. Adrift. When you wake up. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, adrift. All right, Annabelle, I placed this phone call to you at the end of last week. Hello. Hi, it's me. Hi, you're right. Yes, I'm fine. I've been thinking about how they say it's good to be part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. <laughs> have you? <laughs> which, what thoughts have you come to? <laughs> which led me to think, why don't you try and become a mascot? Oh, okay. Not necessarily for a sports team. They seem to be doing very well with mascots. But you could become a mascot for something, right? Maybe a company? Yes, and then you become part of something bigger than yourself. Oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and I'd like to know how you got on. So my first thought is, 
I could be a mascot on the TV show Blockbusters, a human cuddly toy perching on the desk as they're doing the gold run. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not an option as it's not on the telly anymore, as it turns out. Oh, did they not do a reboot? Yeah, they did. But I think that was in 2012. Uh, so we're still going back okay. a while. Yeah. yeah. So I move on because brands have mascots, don't they? So I'm wondering like, what company that I might suit. And I'm thinking well, nothing fashionable or stylish or too modern and technological. Nothing to do with meat, cars, cleanliness, home decor, baking, charity, <laughs> art, sport, <laughs> finances. So it's quite, it's quite narrowed down. Yeah. And then I think, what about a coffee shop? There are now hundreds on every high street, pretty much. And they're all in competition with each other. A mascot of me could give one the edge. Mm. It could be the big rival to the Starbucks mermaid. And I'm not being arrogant, but I think I'm better than a mermaid, as none of me is fish, like not even 25%. <laughs> so I'm thinking I could be the Costa Coffee mascot. I mean, admittedly, I don't drink caffeine and it annoys me how much milk they put in their drinks. But I can have a black decaf and I really like their millionaire shortbread. Right. So I start by trying to call head office. Look at you eating millionaire shortbread. I know, I know. That's freelance life going for you hey, then. you once bought me a billionaire shortbread. <laughs> <laughs> I start by trying to call head office and I can't get through to anyone. Just answer phones. It's annoying. But... Do I need permission from head office? Do I need to tangle them up in logistics and admin? Can't I just become the mascot, starting with my local branch? I can sneak my way in. and Before they know it, I'm established and popular and they'd be crazy to get rid of me. I'm sure that's how the Jolly Green Giant did it with Sweetcorn. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to my local Costa. Now, in an ideal world, I wouldn't have been to Sainsbury's first, so therefore <laughs> wouldn't be carrying a Hessian shopping bag with a packet of nine toilet rolls, some fresh mint and some dog dental sticks. You know, you shouldn't be carrying all that in your condition. <laughs> nine toilet rolls. You can only see the toilet rolls, though, so that's, <laughs> that's fine. I wait my turn in the queue and then I say to the lady, hello, I'm the new mascot of Costa Coffee. Her face says in response, please let this be a weird way of asking for a cappuccino and a lemon drizzle cake because I'm not sure I can cope with anything else. So I then helpfully ask for the manager. And when I tell her that I'm the new mascot for Costa Coffee, she really shows why she's manager by saying, OK, which is great. It's going really well. So I lie a bit now and I say, yes, I've been going around all the different branches as the mascot. So is there anything I can do for you? Her answer is, not really. Perhaps as she can't think what on earth a mascot would do in a branch of a cafe, which, as it turns out, is something we have in common, as I too have realised I have no idea what a mascot would do in an actual cafe. I think I was hoping that she would have some suggestions. <laughs> turns out, no, she doesn't. So she asked when I started as a mascot, perhaps to distract me from trying to do anything. So I tell another lie and say last week and I'm getting into the lies now. So I continue by explaining they decided to go with a human rather than a cuddly animal. So they thought I'd be more relatable. <laughs> she scrutinises me, but she doesn't say anything. And I really do need to suggest things now that I can do, which I have to make up on the spot. So this is what I make up on the spot. Yeah. So if there's um, any children's parties I could help out with, <laughs> like Costa Coffee always had children's parties. <laughs> All those caffeine addicted kids. <laughs> I think I was thinking of Ronald McDonald. Yeah, as a kid. <laughs> it's weird that part of that McDonald's party thing included a tour of the kitchen. <laughs> very, very yeah. weird, but it was very exciting. Yeah. Or I say I could, uh, I could just stand in the window waving. <laughs> 
okay, she says. And then, no. Then she starts going on about how they're very quiet today. Like, if it was busier, then it'd be totally fine for you to stand in the window waving. I suggest standing on the counter. I don't know why I said that. That's a firm no. I said another lie now. I say, well, at the other places I went to, I uh, I went behind the counter and danced. I don't know why I said that. It would be hellish to do that. And luckily her response is, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's too quiet. Thank God it's too quiet in there for me to go and dance behind the counter. I've got another idea. Would you like me to go around and say hello to all the customers and be friendly? This time she says, well, if you want. So I push my luck and add, and then I'll wave at the window. Then I'll go. (laughs) No, don't do that. She says very, very quickly. She really doesn't want me to wave at the window, but she is happy for me to go around bothering all her customers. So I do. I approach them all with, hi, I'm the new mascot for Costa Coffee. So I've come to say hi. And then I make polite inquiries as to their purchases. And everybody is really friendly while in their head planning on what coffee shop they'll go to in the future as they're never coming here ever again. (laughs) But I think I was kind of the Costa Coffee mascot, very briefly and very localised. And I'm quite excited to see how Kathy Nero plans to respond. that's our podcast for this week thanks for downloading it and the next time you find yourself with a spare minute would you mind rating and reviewing it on itunes also give us your money patreon.com stroke adrift send us your story of trying and failing to fit in as a human being hello at adriftpodcast.com we're after the sort of things you've heard from your fellow drifters throughout the show Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. They are on tour now. And to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. My advisors this week on the incident were Gabriella Libreton, the travel writer. She has nothing to plug, but she graciously said to mention that her friend, Anna Hart, has a book about travelling as a single woman coming out soon. I know, Anna, and it will be good. Also, thanks to Nick Duncalf. You can watch his excellent film reviews at 60secondreviews.com and he pops up on radio and TV quite frequently. And Ian Lee. Ian's one of my favourite broadcasters. He has a show on talk radio every night. It's called The Late Night Alternative and he does a brilliant podcast called The Rabbit Hole with Catherine Boyle. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox provided the idents and voiceovers. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. And big thanks to you if you tried to get someone else to listen to Adrift, even if it has ended in social exclusion. Please keep trying. And finally, thanks to the couple I shared the box with at the Hollywood Bowl for their kind offer of chocolate fondue. Adrift. Okay, on to the podications. The first one comes from Alan Marshall, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. It's great to have you back on my iPod, having two long-lost friends in my ears again. It's been too long. 
I think your perception of too long is perhaps different <laughs> different to ours. Um, but thank you. Anywho, let's get this back on track. As an old hand at this, this being my third or fourth, not that I'm counting, as per normal, I don't have any friends who listen. Or put it another way, I still don't have any friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I dedicate this to all Jeff Show listeners who've crossed over and to all new listeners who found you through the iTunes store charts or sitting in for Danny Baker. Ooh. I really enjoyed that. Mm. I did. And I told you I felt like I was cheating on you a little bit. Yeah, I know. It was thrilling. <laughs> um, I've waffled on long enough. Welcome back. Look forward to hearing more from you both. Alan Marshall in Ramsgate, sent from my Huawei mobile. Look at you showing off with your Huawei. Huawei, how would you say that? I'm not sure I'm familiar with that type of mobile. No. No offence. <laughs> Do you think he's taking backhanders? Do you think he's a mascot? <laughs> Uh, the next one comes from Jonathan Chan, who says, Hey ho, Annabelle and Jeff. Hey ho. First, congratulations to Annabelle on the pregnancy. Excellent news. I have a four year old, and it's just amazing to be part of his growing up. Thank you. Uh, anyway, that aside, I think it's one of them things. I've often dreamt that my wife, who's been forced to listen to the podcasts in the car for many years, would write in and give me a podication. Mm. She didn't. <laughs> Then when you guys left Absolute Radio, I felt I should go and visit as I've listened for so long that it felt I almost had a right to visit and awkwardly see you off. But I didn't. Mm. We had a lot of people do that and it was it was lovely. It was. None of it was awkward, actually. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Mm. Weird. It's like to be learned from that. <laughs> I or is it that we were around like-minded individuals? Uh, and yeah. Um, and although I've felt these needs to get in contact, I have never once acted on any of them. So recently, I've decided that this is about to change. In a rare moment of something that's a mix of motivation, loyalty and guilt. It's a good mix. Mm, lovely, yeah. Um, I've tried to make all the wrongs slightly more right. I've donated on Patreon. I'm currently trying to unlock my dormant Apple account to give you guys a review. Five stars. And let's be honest, if she's never written a podcast for me yet, uh, then I'm going to have to do it myself. That's okay. Other people do that too. There's no shame in that either. No. I, Jonathan, I like the way that it's, uh, it's pronouncement, um, would like to podicate myself. There, done it. Doesn't that feel good, Jonathan? Yeah. Um, I don't lead an exciting life, so I have not much to add, except it's great to hear your largely average work, and I hope I can better actively support you going forward. Happy you're both back. Best of luck going forward. If there's anything I can do as an expat in the Netherlands, then I can give it a shot. Oh, I'd like to be big in the Netherlands. Yeah. There are certain countries that I, I feel very warmly towards where I feel this um, podcast you know, might resonate with people. Here's, here's what I think. I'm stereotyping, but I think the further north you go in Europe, the, the more kind of reserved people get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you think about, um, and again, stereotyping, but maybe uh, Spanish or Italian people, they, they can be extremely em emotive and expressive, right? Mm -hmm. And then by the time you're in Finland, I mean, they don't say a word <laughs> unless they're drunk. And these are more our kind of people, is that what you're saying? I, I, I just think the, the people who kind of don't say a word are often not saying a word because they're reserved and they don't know how to interact with mm. other people unless they're drunk in the case of the uh, the Nordics yeah. um, and the Brits. Oh, yeah. Um, so so I do think we've got a better chance the, the higher the latitude. Yeah. Maybe the Sami people in the far <laughs> yeah. north of yes. Scandinavia. Um, maybe some of the first people over in Newfoundland. Mm, that'd be good. Mm. I wonder if it goes that way 
the further south you go, as well, it doesn't go that way with Australians and Kiwis. Does it? So, <laughs> so maybe not. Um, he says, okay, this email is far too long, so I'll stop this seeming weird dump of thought and leave awkwardly. Best way to leave, especially if you try the wrong door. Yeah. And the other one comes from uh, Christian Horsfield, who says, hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Glad you're back. Struggle to use most social media, although I do follow you both on Twitter and Facebook. Anyone who follows Annabelle is in for a treat (laughs) with all that tweeting that you do. Uh, So I'd appreciate being added to your mailing list when you do get a newsletter up and running. That's my small talk exhausted. Looking forward to the next show. Very good, Christian. Uh, Regards, Christian. P.S. It's my birthday on the 25th of September, so a podication would be nice near that time. But as I've said, nothing funny or inspirational. Feel free not to bother. Sent from my iPad. Oh, iPad. You should get a Hawaii phone. (laughs) I just want to make the point that you, we, we, we don't expect any entertainment value in these podications. Yeah. It's nice if you tell us some stories or thoughts or whatever, but if you just want a podcast dedicating to you, then that is fine as well. Ooh. Don't feel under pressure when you're writing these things. You know, this is a place to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the latest edition of the podcast. It's podicated to Alan Marshall and any accidental new listeners, as well as some old Jeff Show listeners. Uh, it's predicated to Jonathan Chan in the Netherlands. Oh my God, we're going to be so big in the Netherlands. Oh, We'll be able to go and do a live show in Edam. And uh, and Christian Horsfield, happy birthday, Christian. And if you would like one of these podcasts dedicating to you, then you can um, email us for a podcation. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 